our hope is in God. Our hope is in, in human beings. The Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's, and it even goes on to say it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in leaders of countries, princes, presidents. Put your trust in the Lord because he'll never let us down. Amen? Hallelujah. That's why we can have joy in the midst of circumstances because we already know the outcome. We know how it's going to turn out. I'm not talking about heaven out there in the future. I'm talking about on the earth while we're on the earth. Amen? Praise the Lord. So people that relegate all the victory and all the joys to, you know, the sweet bind by the pie in the sky mentality, you know, like when we go to heaven, that's wrong. The scripture tells us that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. There's no enemies in heaven. That has to be for here on the earth. Praise the Lord. So let's, uh, let's partake of the word here today. We, um, uh, well, Brother Dan ministered last week, but prior to that, we were on a series, uh, and we've entitled this Spiritual Fitness, How to Stay in Shape Spiritually, How to Stay in Shape Spiritually. And let's uh, look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. This has been our main text that we've used here. Let's, let's look at this, Josh, in the Amplified, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 8, in the classic Amplified, it says, For physical training is of some value, useful for a little. But godliness, spiritual training, is useful and of value in everything and in every way, for it holds promise of the present life and also the life which is to come. Isn't that wonderful? And so physical training has value, but it's only for this particular life. Amen? Get all you can get. It's good to exercise. It's good to keep your body in shape. It's good to eat healthy. Amen. Amen. But godliness is profitable for both lives, for the current life that we're in now, but also in that which is to come. And so we're talking about spiritual fitness, how to stay fit spiritually. Now, if you go to Proverbs, again, in Amplified, in Proverbs 18, verse 14. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 14. I really like this scripture here, uh, especially in the Amplified. Amen. It says, a strong spirit, everybody say strong spirit. strong spirit. Is it important we have a strong spirit? It's really important we have a strong spirit. Well, if you can, you can have a strong spirit, you can have a weak spirit, right? Well, it says, a strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up and bear so we can ascertain from this scripture right here that God wants us to have a strong spirit that can resist. When your spirit man is strong, when you have physical things come against you, your spirit man, the real you, will help overcompensate those things in the natural. Anytime I've ever been attacked physically in my body, I don't look out there for help. I look in here because that's where God lives. Amen? Amen? And he's never let me down yet. Amen? Praise the Lord. I think some people have given the idea that when you're in the Christian life that, you know, you never have something come against you. Well, that's not true. Okay? Someone came to Brother Hagin one time. It was a lady, in fact. And she says, I want you to pray for me, Brother Hagin. You know? He said, well, what can I pray for? She goes, I want you to pray that the devil will just leave me alone. And she was sincere about it, even tears in her eyes. I remember him talking about this. He said, well, sweetheart, if I could pray that for you, I'd pray that for me. 
He said, the only way that, that'll work is if I pray for you to go to heaven right now because there was no enemies up there, right? Are you with me now? So while we're on the earth, there's demons and devils on this earth, but we have to realize that being on the earth, parallel with them, we have authority over them. And it's our job to exercise our God-given authority over them when they raise up their ugly head against us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ecclesiastes even says a scripture like this. Maybe you never heard this. It said, surely oppression will make a wise man mad. Amen. Surely, ever read that scripture before? Surely oppression will make a wise man mad. Well, if you're wise, when it comes against you, like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm not putting up with this. <laughs> Amen. See, Satan is a bully. Amen? Yes, yes. He's a bully, and he tries to pick on people, you know, and so forth and so on. But, man, when you rise up and you know who you are in Christ Jesus, that's a whole other subject right here. But we're talking about how to stay fit spiritually. And we talked about this particular thing, and I'll just mention it because of time. I do encourage you, if you weren't here, pick up one of the CDs from the last couple of services because it will cover these topics here. But I just want to mention it and move right along right here. The first way to stay fit spiritually is that have the word, the word of God has to have preeminence in your life. In other words, first place. The word of God. First place. And for a lot of people, it's not first place. It's third place or last place. You know, it's not first place. Well, how do you keep God's word first? Well, one of the ways to do that is to ask yourself in any situation in life, in any test or trial of life, what does the word of God have to say about this? You know, if your body's being attacked, Ask yourself, what does the Word of God say about this? Okay? If your family's being attacked, you ask yourself, what does the Word of God say about this? And so on and so forth. Are you with me? Yes. And so that's part of renewing our minds with the Word of God, you know, and uh, there's great comfort in that. The Bible says we have, in Romans, it talks about we have great comfort and hope because of the Scriptures. The Scriptures are what give us supernatural hope. Matter of fact, you know, there's natural hope and then there's spiritual hope, right? Yes. Or biblical hope. And Abraham, the Bible says, who against natural hope believed in supernatural hope that he might become the father of many nations. <laughs> Amen? From all, that, from all natural, from the natural, Abraham was almost 100 years old, same with his wife, you know, a few years younger than him. But from the natural, they couldn't have kids when they were younger, let alone when they're near 100 years old. But they had a word from God. Amen. And the Bible says that Abraham considered not his own body being dead, now being dead, being yet a hundred year, years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith. Notice this, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded. Say fully persuaded. That what God had promised him, he was able also to perform. Amen. Sometimes you have to talk back at circumstances. You know, when the TV's on, you hear something, especially the news media, a bunch of liars, you know, and they say something, you talk back to it if you have to. Say, no, that's not coming to my country. That's not coming to my house. No, it's not. That's not the truth. The truth is the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does the Word of God have to say about this? And so uh, we talked about, you know, uh, the scripture talks about let the word of Christ in Colossians 3, 3, 16. I'll just refer to it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Amen. 
Now let's talk about the, the, let's move a step further about, and this has to do with the Word of God. And I want to talk about today about uh, meditation on the Word of God. Meditation. Okay? Jesus said, if you continue in my Word, in John, uh, John's Gospel, He said, if you continue in my Word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Okay? If you know the truth, you continue in the truth. What chapter is that, Brother Dan? Is, it? is that eight? Okay, yeah, eight, yeah. Amen. Thanks, Anthony. Praise the Lord. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, if you just quote half of that, the truth will set you free, brother. Well, that's, truth is everywhere, but, you know, it's knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the Word of God that, that sets us free. Amen? I mean, we can get happy about it right now. Amen? What's the date today? The uh, 24th of October? Man, we can walk out of here happy today because we know what God is doing. We know the end result. Amen? Right in the midst of your trial, praise the Lord. You can just lift up your voice and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're faithful. You're good. Amen? Now, let's go to, uh, uh, to uh, my son's book, the book of Joshua. <laughs> it's the root name for Jesus, amen, Yeshua. Remember that, Josh. No pressure. God gave him his name. It wasn't our idea to call him Joshua. God, we, we were, when we were expecting, we, we separated in prayer to two different rooms. We said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to call this child? You know, God gave her the name. God gave me the name. We came together. That's what it was. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, if you know anything about Joshua, I love, the, I love Joshua, the character. Joshua's a real person. You'll meet him in heaven. Amen. And I mean, and this is Old Testament. He took over whose spot? Moses, right? So you got Moses all, you know, from, from Egypt through the through the whole wilderness, the whole splitting of the Red Sea into the wilderness, you know, at Mount Sinai, you know, and the time came where God says that Moses is now dead. Now I'm choosing you. <laughs> All right. Well, how are you going to fill those shoes? You know, stop and think about that. The greatest, up to that time, the greatest leader ever, Moses. And it's interesting, you know, one thing about Moses, you know, um, he wrote, God gave him the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, right? And it says in the book of Numbers that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. What do you think, what do you think he was doing up there for 40 days and 40 nights on the, you know, just to get, ten, it didn't take that long to get Ten Commandments. Okay. What do, you, what do you think was going on up there? Amen? Amen? And even when God says, I'm going to show you my back parts, that didn't just mean his rear end. <laughs> it, was talk, it was talking about history past from the beginning, Genesis. Because was Moses there in the Garden of Eden? No. no. Well, who wrote the book of Genesis? No. Moses. So God took him back in time. And revealed to him what happened in the Garden of Eden. 
He wasn't there physically, but the Lord took him back there. He says, I'm going to show you my hinder parts. I'm going to show you behind history, where it all began, where it all started, in the beginning. Amen? God moved upon the face of the deep. You know, that was him. But then in Numbers, he said, Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Now, meekness doesn't mean weakness. It means teachableness, bendable. And Moses was a meek person. Moses had, you know, natural uh, weaknesses. He felt like he wasn't eloquent. He stuttered. But yet God chose him. Right? And sometimes the Bible says God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Right? And God chose Moses, but then his brother Aaron became his spokesman. All right? But Moses was the, he was a powerhouse for God. But the time came where the power of, the transfer of power was going to go from Moses to Joshua. That being said, inadequacy could definitely be there. And we'll see this here. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Are you ready? Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. That doesn't mean Catholic Nun here, by the way. Okay. It says, the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, minister, saying, My servant, Moses, my servant, is now dead. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, unto the land that I will give them, even the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon that I have given unto you, as I, said, uh, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness of Lebanon unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast." Now look at verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. In other words, nobody's going to stand in your way or hinder you. Now get this phrase here, underline this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now I want you to see that. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Did you ever hear the phrase, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, right? The same God, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and so on. And you could say, he's the God of your name. You put your name in there. He's the same God that Moses and Joshua had. He's your God too, okay? And so God is wanting him to realize, as I was with Moses, I am going to be with you as well. Okay? And he says, uh, I will not fail you or forsake you. Be, verse 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. This is almost like it's written for today. We need, in the face of adversity, we need courage. We need strength. Be strong and of good courage. Unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance of the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Here, here it says it again, verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. Okay? And so twice we can see right here, we'll see it again here in a minute. He's telling Joshua here. 
Okay? Now, folks, this is not just a history lesson here today. This is an actual, this, this actually took place. Okay? Let's remember that. Let's put ourselves in this situation here. And God kept telling us this, be strong, be courageous, as I was with Moses. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you. And God is saying the same thing today. As he was with these other prophets in the Bible that we read about, he's with you too. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God that's on the inside of you and me. In the person, that's why it says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Greater. The greater one. First John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. <laughs> you ever look in the mirror and say, hey, the greater one's living on the inside of you. Amen. That's what John G. Lake would say, you know, and he had, if you know anything about John G. Lake, he would look in the mirror and say, hey, man of God, God lives in that suit of clothes. He would look in the mirror. Wigglesworth would do the same thing. I thought, well, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me too. Amen. It might seem weird at first, but you know what? You'll get used to it. It's okay to talk to yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. When all hell was breaking loose and his, his uh, family and so forth was all taken captive, you know, and ransacked, you know, and but David and they, even the people that were following him, they said they were so discouraged. They talked about stoning David. Think about that. The people that he loved and shepherded, they're now going to stone him because they're so discouraged. David went and turned himself, turned his face to the wall, so to speak. And he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And when all else fails, that's the best thing you can do is encourage yourself in the Lord your God. There may not be a man there. There may not be a woman there. But God's always there. He's always there. Now, here we're going to see something here. God is going to give Joshua a secret code or a key that will unlock his success moving forward as the new leader of Israel. Okay? Now, remember Joshua and Caleb, right before this happened, you know, um, remember they went up and they spied out the land. Remember that? Joshua and Caleb back, came back with the 12 spies went up. 12 came back to only two had a good report. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua was one of them. The Bible even says that they had another spirit in Numbers 14. What was that? They had the spirit of faith. Yeah, they saw the same giants as everybody else did. They saw the big obstacles that everybody else said, you know. And sometimes when you're looking at situations, they look like big mountains and big obstacles, you know. You, know, like you look at our country and see what's going on in the natural. You say, man, that's a big monster. You know what I'm saying? How's that ever going to change? God's bigger than that. Yeah. Amen? Yes. God's bigger than Biden. Yes. Are you with me? <laughs> a whole lot bigger. And God doesn't forget. He remembers. And God doesn't stumble. Just saying. But God gave him, God gave him, God gave him a secret, but not of any private interpretation. In other words, he didn't say, Josh, come on over here. I want to tell you something here. Don't tell anybody else. Let's not even write this down. I'm going to just give you a secret Okay, He didn't do that. He gave Joshua a secret for him to see it, but then for the whole world to see it, this whoever wanted to jump in on that say, okay, we can do that too. What is that? Verse 8. Okay, And we're talking about spiritual success. Now, it's the Word of God meditated upon that brings success. It's not just the Word. It's the Word that's meditated upon. 
all right? Now, I'll compare that to food. How many of you know food is good? Good food is good for your body, right? You need to eat good food, right? But food that's not digested does you no good. You could die from starvation in a grocery store. Are you with me? You could be surrounded by good food and die in a health food store, right? And it's all there for you to partake. But if you don't partake of it, you can perish from something and the answer is lying right there in front of you, okay? It's not just the word of God that sets us free. It's the digested word like food that gets in us. You know, when you eat food, God made our bodies amazing, didn't he? Scripture tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, and your body is just, think about how the eye works. You actually see with your brain. Did you know that? Think about how your ears work, how your, your body functions. It's all in unison. Do you think that's a mistake? Huh? You think that was a big bang? Oh, some boom. Okay, now we're functional. I mean, think about all the parts of your body that have to function in you know, how your liver has to work with your kidneys and your lungs and your blood flow. All that has to work together. It's a miracle, isn't it? That just tells you right there, that's a miracle. There has to be a God. That didn't just happen. Right? That's why Romans even talks about that man is without excuse because they look and see the, 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 the visible things that God created. You know, you look out and you see the sun and the trees and the seashore and things like that. They say, There's no way that's a mistake. God had to create that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, you know, you look back here, for example, you see that painting back there. It's not the most beautiful painting you've ever seen in your life. It's not like the Mona Lisa or something like that. But, you know, uh, how many of you know somebody created that? Somebody made that originally, right? And then they made copies of it, you know. But somebody initially painted that picture. And just because you don't see the author or the painter doesn't mean that that's a mistake, that that just happened. Somebody created that painting. And when you look around and you see creation, what God has made, and the beauty of creation, what God has made, we're not to worship creation, but we know who made it. That's why Jesus said, consider the lilies or the flowers. Consider the birds of the air. How your heavenly Father made them. Aren't you better than them? You're better than birds? Amen. Amen. You're better than Tweety Bird, I'm telling you. Praise the Lord. Here's the key right here in verse 8. This book of the law. Now, first five books is the law. We would say word of God. So that's not doing an injustice, okay? So let's say it like this. This word of, the word of God shall not depart from out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe, observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then thou shalt make, you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And then finally in verse 9 it says, Have not I commanded thee, here again is this phrase, Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed or confused, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Amen. The word, he said, I'm with you everywhere you go. I think that's one of the biggest things we can uh, remind ourselves on a daily basis. God's with me. Hallelujah. You know, this morning I'm out walking around here praying in the spirit, just walking around the hotel. You know, I like to do that when the weather's good. 
and I'm out there praying, and I, I pictured us. I said, Lord, I'm thanking you're right beside me. He says, no, I'm in you. I'm walking inside you right now. I said, oh, yeah. Because we think God's with me, God's next to me. No, it, that's too far. He's in. When I take a step, he takes a step. When I jump, he jumps. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you with me now? So, so God told Joshua the same thing he's telling us. You shall meditate in the word of God day and night. Now the word meditate, let's just make it real simple here, okay? Meditation involves thinking, pondering, speaking, okay? So when you meditate on something, you're thinking about it, you're speaking it, you're pondering it, you're imagining, your imagination goes in, right? Someone said, well, that sounds like a lot of work, you know. Now, now the, the, the cults and so forth, they have meditation, but it's who invented meditation? The Lord did. Only the devil can pervert it, you know. He's not saying sit there like this, you know, and sit in this, you know, you've seen that. People sit on a beach and they're like this, you know. I don't, well, I don't see their lives changing, okay? But meditation on the Word of God, on the right thing, can be life-changing for you. And it involves pondering, thinking, and your imagination. Now, everyone here knows how to worry. Anybody here never worried before? Well, what do you, when you're worrying about something, you're meditating, but it's on the wrong thing. It's simply the wrong. You're thinking about what could happen bad that hasn't happened yet. You're thinking you're foreplanning the future. It hasn't even happened yet. You're thinking the worst. Okay? Then you speak about it. You talk about it. Meditation on the wrong thing is worry. Let's turn the coin over. Amen? Like someone said, uh, John Osteen used to say, if that rubs the cats far the wrong way, then turn the cat around. You know? And we can, we can worry the Word of God. But it's not worrying, it's meditating on the Word of God. Meditation involves digestion. And when you put food in your mouth and it goes down into your stomach, your body knows what to do with that food. Your job is just to swallow it, chew it, and swallow it. That's it. You're done. You don't have to do anything else. <laughs> right? You eat some healthy meal and it goes in your stomach. From there, your body takes over and it breaks down that food. I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but I at least know what happens right there, you know, and your body digests it. And then it goes, it gets, breaks it down into the, from macro to micro, where you can't even hardly see, and it goes down inside your body throughout your bloodstream, and it gives you nourishment, okay? And digestion is like meditation. You take a scripture and you meditate upon it, where it becomes a part of you. Now let's let's go uh, back, go to the yeah let's go there Romans chapter ten. Let's go over there for a second here. I want to show you something. Let's break this down a little bit more as far as meditation is concerned. Now remember Joshua one eight is our, our main scripture here. It says this book of the law, this word of God, shall not depart from out of your mouth. God wants the word to be in your mouth. In your mouth, the Word of God, in your mouth. So when you're talking to a good friend, you say, give me some word, man. I need, give me a word right now. 
Give me the Bible. <laughs> what does the Bible say right now? Give me the Word of God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's what we need when we come to church. We don't need some fancy story out of Reader's Digest. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Amen. We need the Word of God. That's the thing that changes us. That's life changing. Amen? And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't even be standing here alive today if it were not for the Word of God. Amen. There are several things in my life that could have taken me out from the natural Many times, <laughs> you know. Brother Dan, we've talked about the same, same thing with him as well. But you know what? We're still here. The Word of God sustained us, kept us, preserved us. And His Word is anointed. Hallelujah. And when the devil throws his best shot at us, we still have the Word of God to go to every single time. We're on a winning team. Amen. Yeah, I remember years ago, I was, uh, when you know the outcome it's easy to get excited. But I remember we, were, we were, uh, had gone down to Washington, D.C., actually Woodbridge, Virginia, to see Brother Kenneth Copeland in a, uh, a three-day meeting that he had down there. He does that every year. And uh, we were staying in a hotel. This is years ago. And, uh, and when I turned on the TV in the hotel, there was a, they were showing the Pittsburgh Penguins playing the Washington Capitals. But the game had already been played and we had already won. I knew that from looking at my phone. But it was a delayed, I don't know why they had it playing it delayed on TV, you know. And at the time I was watching the game, the Pittsburgh Penguins were losing in the third period. They were losing. And it looked like they were going to lose. But I knew, I knew from previous information they had come back and they won. Okay? Because I, I used to play ice hockey, you know what I'm saying? So I, you know... I'm interested in that area, you know, to a certain degree, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and I was like, I didn't get nervous about it because I'm thinking, I already know the outcome. They came back and they won that game. But if a person didn't know that watching the game, they think, my team's going to lose. If you're from this area, right, you think they're going to lose. No, they won. They came back and they beat the Capitals. Amen? Ovechkin went down. <laughs> <laughs> This is years ago, you know? This is years ago. I think that's when Lemieux was actually playing with them, you know? And, um, but anyway, when you read the Word of God, you're, 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 you're pre-playing your future instead of replaying your past. Do you get that? You're pre-playing your future of victory. There's victory lined up for you. God, the Bible says... Uh, God's not willing that any should perish. Well, God doesn't want you to lose either. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph, always in Christ Jesus. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God believes in victory. We are a victorious people. We're not a defeated people. We're victorious. But I'll say this. There's no room for wimps in the body of Christ. Not that it doesn't mean God doesn't love you, but he loves everybody. But there's no room for wimps in the body of Christ. As far as God's not, that's not your future. That's not what God ordained you to be, a Casper Miltos weakling spiritually. He wants you to be strong. Hallelujah. And when, when adversity comes against you and 
you know, in this world, you know, we're not to be afraid of COVID. We're not to be afraid of disease and sickness. We're not to be afraid of what the government's going to do, you know. We know better than that. We trust our God. We trust our God. Our God is well able to overcome this mess. He has a good track record. If you look at his record, if you look at what he's done for other people, he's not going to do that just for them. He's going to do it for us as well. We will have a testimony as well. Praise God. Anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. and it's, uh, There's a couple of scriptures I want to see here before we, uh, we close here today. So we're talking about the key to spiritual success is meditation on the Word of God. Now, meditation is not a complicated thing. You can do it while you're working, on your job, while you're driving your car, while you're taking your shower, while you're going about your business. You can meditate. Praise the Lord. I do it, all, I do it a lot of times. A lot of times in the middle of the night when I wake up, because very few times do I fall asleep and then eight hours later I wake up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, how many of you, you, know, you fall asleep, wake up, fall asleep, wake up? It's kind of like back and forth, you know what I mean? But, you know, I'm thinking, I'm not going to waste any time here. I'm going to think, I'm going to go to bed meditating. The Bible says meditate upon my bed. It even says that. Isaac meditated, you know, Went, on to, went out into the field and his wife was brought to him. Think about it. He was meditating. God says, I'm going to bring your wife to you. Yes. Hallelujah. So meditation in the word will bring success to you. He saw the camels coming. And Rebecca was on one of those camels. Amen. So you guys be looking for those camels. Amen. <laughs> but in Romans chapter 10, uh, it says this. Romans chapter 10, and let's look at this process of how this works. Bring that up there, brother. Romans chapter 10, verses 8. There we go. What saith it, Paul says this, but what saith it, the word is near thee, or nigh thee, it means near, close. The word is how close? Near, near thee. Even in thy mouth and in thine heart. Now I want you to see that really closely right here because this is how this process works. The word is the answer. When it says, what, what saith it? The word, say answer. Okay, the answer is near you, how close? Even in your mouth and in your heart. It starts, the entryway is your mouth. With your heart, with your mouth, with your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Did the word of faith start with Kenneth Hagin? No. no. Did it start with Brother Copeland? No. Did it start with Oral Roberts? No. It started with the Apostle Paul. He said, we preach the word of faith. It's not a movement. It never has been a movement. It's a way of life. Amen. The word of God is the word of faith. You can't separate from the word from faith any more than you can separate wet from the water. Did you get that? Yeah. Because when you hear the word of God, you're hearing faith. Yep. 
You can't, they're, two, they're not two separate things. They're the same thing. When you hear the word of God, you're hearing faith. And he says right here, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All right. So, meditation starts with the mouth, muttering, saying. But what saith that the word is not even in thy what? Mouth. mouth. It didn't start in the heart. It starts in the mouth. Okay. I'll further prove that. Go to uh, uh, Psalm 19. Just turn back there to Psalms 19. And verse, uh, let's see here, 14. David said this, Let the words of my mouth, notice that, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, co compare that to what we just saw in Romans. Let's say it. The word is neither even in thy mouth, heart. Mouth, heart. Right here, he says, let the words of my mouth. Secondly, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Well, when you're meditating on the word, that's acceptable. Praise the Lord. So the way that you begin to meditate, it starts with the mouth. It starts with what you say. Okay? No, and I'll submit this to you. You know, your spirit has a voice too. And I, when I'm laying in, in bed at night, I'm not talking out loud. I'm, I'm speaking in my spirit. You can hear yourself speak. And I'll take a scripture and I'll just ponder it over and over again. Just ponder it. Just roll it over. Just Someone says meditation is like the compared to a cow that chews the cud. You know, they got, what, three stomachs or something like that? Is it four? Okay. One's good enough for me. But, you, you know, and, uh, and, the, and the cow, it's kind of gross, but, you know, they'll take that grass and they'll chew it, swallow it, and then, uh, then they'll, it comes back up. They regurgitate, and then they chew it again, swallow it, regurgitate it, you know. But then that's how they digest, okay? You can do that with a scripture, you can take a scripture, the word of God is scripture, and you can take that scripture and pour it over, chew on it, and that's when revelation starts to come. Yes. Amen. Okay? Now, I had this happen to me, uh, I don't even know, it's been many, many years ago now, but it's, it's been, uh, it could be 20-some years ago, actually, now. <laughs> Time just flies, doesn't it? And I was thinking about this scripture in Romans. But what saith that the word is neither even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, you know, and so forth. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right? Well, uh, that's a miracle, isn't it? Salvation's a miracle, isn't it? Let me submit this to you. The greatest miracle known to the human race is not someone's leg growing out, someone being healed of cancer. They're miracles. The greatest miracle of all can't even be seen with the natural eye, and that's called the new birth. When you come from darkness to light. How many know what that's, you experienced that? You went from dark, spiritual darkness to spiritual light. The scripture, the scripture says you were raised up 
made to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, you went from darkness to light. Now you're the light of life. That's, but you know, you can't look out and say, I see the difference. I can see it on them. There's the difference physically. You know, you can't see a physical thing. Right? When you got saved, you know, your physical appearance didn't change. You didn't have blonde hair and all of a sudden you got brown hair. You didn't have blue eyes. Now you have brown eyes. Okay? There is no physical change that took place when you got born again, but there was a spiritual rebirth that took place on the inside of you. I was 16 years old when that happened. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, how many of you agree with me that's the greatest miracle that there is? The new birth. It's the greatest miracle that there is. Yet, it cannot even be seen with a natural eye. And every one of you here have experienced the greatest miracle working power of God ever on the planet. The Bible talks about how God made with his fingers, the span of his hand, he made the solar system and all that, you know. But the Bible said God wrought his arm in salvation. There's more power in your arm than there is in your fingers. And when God raised up Jesus from the dead, he used his whole arm to raise him up from the dead. Exousia, the power of God to raise him from the dead. That's the same power that you have on the inside of you when you're born again. Well, how did that, what was the process of that? How did that happen? Did it just happen? There was a process. You heard words. Whether it was in a, you know, a church service or a, a friend was talking to you, you know. <clears throat> For me, it was a guy talking to me personally. Okay? Shared the gospel with me. I had never heard of Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Amen. And I thought, my goodness, I didn't know it wasn't our good works. I was, I was thought that it was my good works. And all of a sudden I realized, no, that's bragging on yourself. Okay? So I heard words that enlightened my understanding, and I was with a friend of mine. And there was just two of us right there. We prayed and received the Lord, and a miracle took place. Now, the, the guy that led me to the Lord, he said, he's in heaven now. His name was Ike. Great guy. And uh, I still talk to his family members, you know. But he, this is in 1976. He led me to the Lord. But he said, he goes, Keith, it's going to feel like this. You know, he said, when you get saved, he goes, you're going to get born, you're going to feel like you want to run a marathon. He goes, you just want to, there's energy that's going to come to you. I said, okay, that sounds good to me. I'm 16 years old. And so I did it. And guess what? I felt that way. I was like, wow, this is like a high like I've never seen before. Amen? Because you have to understand, I'm at a youth retreat, right? I'm at a youth retreat at my Methodist church. I'm at Jamonville, right? How many of you heard Jamonville before? Okay. Praise God for that place, you know? Right up in Uniontown on the Highlands up there, there's a big cross up on the hill, a 200-foot cross that's still there. It's, it's a great place to visit, especially this time of year. Just put a plug in for that, you know? And, um, but, you know, there was a, a couple nights before I received the Lord, there was a guy, his name was Chris, and he was, he was the, the most wayward peer in our youth group, he was into partying big time and drugs and all kind of stuff. He was always in trouble. And his dad was a youth leader. <laughs> okay. Now this is in a Methodist church, right? And so uh, 
we had a curfew at night. And you had to be in at a certain time. I can't remember what time it was, but if you came in after that, you got in trouble. Okay? Now, it came about that time, you know, at night, we're supposed to all be in our cabins, you know, and, you know, and, uh, and uh, except one of them didn't show up, and that was Chris. We thought, oh, this, he's in big trouble now, you know. <laughs> this is back in the day when disciplinary was a, a, a welcome thing, you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> it's not like nowadays, right? Do whatever you want, you know. And so he came in about a half an hour after, you know, he was supposed to be in there. He, he came in, apologized, says, he goes, my God, I have to tell you what happened there. So we turned the lights on, you know. He goes, he goes, I experienced a high tonight that I've never experienced before, you know. And we're thinking, yeah, right, you know. And, uh, but he was really sincere about it. He was really sincere about it, you know. And, and you know, he, got, he told us what happened. He got saved that night, right? And so that, our curiosity was stirred up. We're like, well, maybe there's something to this, you know. And sure enough, the very next day, one of the guys from that other youth group, they used to, there was a Methodist church that used to be in Gastonville, Pennsylvania, you know, right before you get on the interstate, the new uh, Turnpike Road there, you know. They, actually, it's not even there. They ripped the church down because it was so old, you know. But there was a group, a spirit-filled Methodist group that met there, and they were one of the groups that were up there. There was other besides our church. You see what I'm saying? They were born again, spirit-filled. And one of the guys got a hold of me and my friend, and that's when I prayed and received the Lord. And came into my life and it changed my life. A miracle took place. And I've never been the same since. Amen? And then two years later, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, spoke with other tongues. That really changed my life for the good. <laughs> oh my. And um, anyway, said all that to say this the greatest miracle of your life that you've experienced can't even be seen with a natural eye. Did you know you? You worked a miracle in your life. Look up at me a second here. Everybody, how many of you know the Lord? You've already had the greatest miracle happen in your life. Anything beyond that is smaller on a lower order, even healing. You were raised from the dead. You were raised up. That's a miracle. So the law of meditation, I was meditating on Romans chapter 10, and, you know, I was pouring it over, chewing it, thinking about it. And all of a sudden, I heard these words inside my spirit as I was meditating. He said, I heard it, not audibly, but I heard it in here, like you hear him too. He said, son, if the words of your mouth change your eternal destiny, how much more will the words of your mouth change the everyday affairs of your life? I thought, whoa. Oh, Lord, say that again. He said, if the words of your mouth changed your destiny, your eternal destiny, that's the ultimate, how much more will the words of your mouth change the everyday affairs of your life? In other words, your body, your circumstances, the natural. Okay? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. The words of my mouth. The meditation of my heart. See the words of your mouth. It starts with your mouth. Okay? My goodness. 
How does the word of God get in your heart? It comes by what you say. What you say. Okay? So when you start pondering, meditating, by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago. I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. Matthew 8.17, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 1 Peter 2.24, and by his stripes you were healed. Amen? And then you look at like Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives? Number one, he forgives all your sins and iniquities. Number two, he heals all of your diseases. Number three, he redeems your life from destruction. Hallelujah. What are you doing? You're loaded for bear. <laughs> You're loaded. Now, usually when you say something, that guy's loaded. You know, you think he's got some money. You know what I mean? I want to be loaded with the Word of God. Because if we're loaded with the Word of God, no matter what comes against you, you're going to come out on top. Amen? Now, when I was, uh, when I was younger, you know, my parents, I don't know if it was a Christmas present or a birthday present, but we bought one of the, they bought us one of those, we were just young, bought us one of those clowns, you know, that's, that you put, you blow in it and there's sand at the bottom and it's about this tall. Remember that? <laughs> And it's basically a punching bag. You know, you just, bam, you hit that thing, you know. And, uh, you know, and uh, every single time, that clown would come back up smiling. <laughs> That's not like these weird ones nowadays, you know what I mean? These demonic ones that are, these clowns, you know. You know. But uh, I want to make a point here because that, that, that you couldn't keep it down. I'm, bam, you'd kick it, bam, hit it real hard, bam. It would always come right back up, always come right back up. Okay? That is what the believer that is filled with the word of God, no matter how hard the devil hits you, you're going to come back up, smile and say, I have a good report, I believe the word of God. Amen? Remember I said at the beginning of the service, Christianity is not for wimps. You look at the founding fathers of our, our Christianity, and you look back, they were not wimps. They stood up against adversity. Some of them purposely laid down their lives, not receiving a better resurrection. It says that in, in Hebrews. It says they didn't accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. They said, I'm just going to lay my life down here. So they must have had some kind of revelation about that. Amen? It said they refused deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. In Hebrews chapter 11. So we're, what are we talking about? We're talking about developing spiritually, growing spiritually, getting strong spiritually. We have to have the Word of God, but we have to meditate on the Word of God. Take, and in practical terms, how do you do that? You just take one scripture. Start with one scripture, one verse of scripture. I've been doing this for years and years, and I'll continue to do it till Jesus comes back, till the trumpet blows. I'm going to continue to meditate, meditate, mutter, speak, meditate on the Word of God. But I tell you what, you can have great peace. Even the psalmist of old said, Great peace have they that love thy law or thy word. Nothing shall offend them. You know, a lot of people get offended. They get offended at things that are going on. think, my God, what is going on here? Amen? And it's always funny to me because no matter what's going on in the world, 
people are always looking for the rapture to take place. It's amusing. Immediately, oh, that's Ezekiel, the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39. You know, I'm not making light of that, but folks, I don't believe that Jesus Christ is ready to come back right now. There's too much that needs to be done. Like Sister Kat Kerr says, roll up your rapture rug because there's work to be done. Okay? And before Jesus comes back, there has to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. An outpouring like we've never seen before. That'll touch all flesh. Wigglesworth prophesied it years ago. He said there's going to come in the latter days before Jesus comes, there's going to come a move of God that's going to be so great it'll sweep every country. Millions of people will come into the body of Christ as a result of that. Praise the Lord. Well, are these, are these perilous times? Well, of course they are, but, you know, there's always been perilous times. Think about if you were, go back a couple thousand years, if you were living in uh, Jerusalem at the time of the Roman Empire. We think we have it rough now. How about a man named Nero that invented the sliding board, not for children, but for Christians, that put a fillet knife at the bottom of the, of the uh, sliding board and he slid Christians down there and they would be filleted in half. He would torture Christians, set them on fire for theater in the Roman Colosseum. Okay? We've never had it that bad. Okay? But yet, the Christians back then had a backbone. They stood up. Amen? I know I'm going all over the place here, but let me tell you something. There's, there's an outpouring of the Spirit of God... And I believe that's why the devil's fought so hard politically and in the, not just our nation, but around the world to put pressure on people, to buckle them down, to shut up. You can't preach the gospel, you know, right? It's going on in Australia. It's going on in Canada and stuff, you know. Eventually, that's going to come to a screeching halt. Amen? But God wants us to keep our eyes. He wants us to keep our eyes not on politics, but on Jesus, on the Word of God. As we take our place, as we do what we're called to do, and we stand in the gap, and we pray, and we speak the Word of God, He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. Amen? The Scripture says there remains a rest for the children of God. God wants us to have rest today. That involves peace, doesn't it? When you have, yes. you have yeah, when you got peace, you have rest. Yes. Thank you, Father. Let's just praise Him right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for supernatural peace and supernatural rest that comes only from God, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay, as we, uh, what time is it here? It's really important. Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. Okay, and it's a good book. 
the battlefield of the mind. That's where the battlefield is. Not out there, it's in here. The battlefield of the mind. The battle for your mind. To quit, to cave in, to give up, to get discouraged. That's where the battle is. But the thing is, we can overcome those things that try to come against our mind. Okay? Because the enemy always wants you to give it the bleakest, darkest picture of your life, your future, and what, you know, that it's not very good. But that's not how God sees it. God has a great future for us right now. And the only way that we can overcome those things is start to meditate on the Word of God. Take Scripture. Take one Scripture and meditate on that. Speak it. Amen?